The Writer Files, a member of the Podglomerate Network. I want to mention a great resource for writers, and this month's sponsor, Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. I'll expound later in the show, but the short version is this long-awaited book about the craft of creative writing from New York Times bestselling author Steve Almond sets out to debunk the well-meaning but misguided myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and most honest work. Pick up a copy today of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, wherever you buy books, more soon. Greetings, scribes. I have got some exciting news to share. The Writer Files now has an exclusive Patreon community where subscribers will get exclusive access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and content from productivity and publishing experts each month. In the meantime, just head over to patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. It's free to join Patreon to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash thewriterfiles. Help us start something special. This is Rainmaker FM, the digital marketing podcast network. It's built on the Rainmaker platform, which empowers you to build your own digital marketing and sales platform. Start your free 14-day trial at rainmakerplatform.com. These are the Writer Files, a tour of the habits, habitats, and brains of working writers, from online content creators to fictionists, journalists, entrepreneurs, and beyond. I'm your host, Kelton Reed, writer, podcaster, and mediaphile. And each week, we'll find out how great writers keep the ink flowing, the cursor moving, and avoid writer's block. In this episode, I've invited digital marketing pioneer Anne Handley to chat with me about her writing process. She's a Wall Street Journal bestselling author, brilliant keynote speaker, the world's first chief content officer, and a prolific digital content creator. Anne Handley appeared on the written interview series last year and stopped by again to share her methods of madness with us, including her art of productive procrastination, why your writer's block may be a research problem, how hard deadlines help writers to ship, and the secret to what makes a good writer truly great. Let's get into the file of Anne Handley. Welcome, Anne. Thank you so much for having me. I'm uh, really excited to be here with you today. Who are you and what is your area of expertise as a writer? So I am uh, Anne Hanley. I am the world's first chief content officer, as far as I know, and no one's challenged me on that yet. Um, and I am the author of the best-selling book, Everybody Writes, the co-author of Content Rules, which is also one of the best-selling books on content marketing, um, and the chief content officer of Marketing Profs. And... Uh, what are you working on right now? What am I working on right now? Um, you know, I'm kind of in between projects right now. Um, you know, I was I was talking to somebody last week who said, you know, Everybody Writes is now six months old. You know, what are you working on next? And I was like, are you kidding me? It's like my heart and soul went into that book. I need to, you know, have a period of rest and recovery before I can think about doing any other big project like that because um, it does it takes a lot out of me. So uh, right now I am... Uh, you know, just working on my ongoing projects. Like I write a monthly column for Entrepreneur Magazine. I blog regularly at my own site at annhanley.com. I do some writing for Marketing Profs, and I'm also working with um, with folks here, folks internally at Marketing Profs on developing a, a workshop based on Everybody Writes. So all that stuff is keeping me pretty busy. And I, I will just add that I, I love Everybody Writes, and it feels like kind of an element of style for the digital age. Um, and I'm a huge fan. 
Oh, good. Oh, good. Thank you. Yeah. And, and as you know, I mean, that's exactly how I hoped it would be embraced. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm really gratified to, to feel that. I mean, for the most part, I get super great feedback on it. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. And thank you for saying that. We'll drop that in the show notes, of course, for people to find. So let's, um, chat a little bit about your productivity. If you care to share, how much time would you say per day you, uh, read or are doing research? Yeah, I, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, I I think I do a, an inordinate amount of research on everything that I put out there. I think that's my background as a journalist kind of, you know, instilled that in me. So that's true whether I'm writing, you know, a column, whether I'm writing a blog post, um, you know, pretty much anything substantive that I'm putting together, I do do a lot of research. So I'd say for every hour of writing, I probably do between two and three hours of research um, on whatever it is that I'm putting together. I spend a lot of time wandering around, uh, you know, back alleys and, and down corridors that I don't know when they're, they'll end to try to figure out, uh, first of all, you know, as much as I can about a subject and then how I feel about it. So it does take me a, a long time to actually sit down to physically write because I spend a lot of time researching what's already been said and, and researching any information I can find. So before you start to write, um, do you have any pregame rituals or or practices that kind of gets you into the mode? You know, I'm a terrible procrastinator. Um, so I spend a lot of time not writing before I start writing, which sounds funny, but it's so true. I mean, I can spend many, many hours kind of distracting myself. So, you know, I'll eat all the snacks in the house. Um, you know, I'll wash and fold all the laundry. I'll answer all my work emails. I'll, I'll do every other task that's in front of me that's on my to-do list before I'll actually sit down to write because I'm always looking for ways to not write. Um, so I spend a lot of time distracting myself from actually writing before I write. That sounds familiar. Um, <laughs> what do you find that you have a most productive time of day and or um locale uh for getting into the flow yeah i mean right now i am speaking to you from my tiny house which i built in my backyard um it's kind of a writer's studio or it is a writer's studio essentially it's very very simple inside the only thing i have in here is uh is an internet connection and electricity and a heater, which you heard before we started recording, which is incredibly loud. Um, and so, uh, so my ritual is really to come into here. This feels like, you know, almost sacred space to me in a way, um, which I know sounds kind of goofy, but it, it just, it really feels that way. It's the place where I feel the most creative. Um, in terms of timing, I, you know, I, I'm, I would like to say that I spend every morning, um, writing and I, I, when I'm, when I'm working on a big project, that's absolutely true. But when I'm not working on a big project, like I am right now, I tend to spend my morning sort of easing into the day. So, you know, goofing around on Twitter or looking at Facebook or, or, um, you know, sort of writing up, warming up through writing small things. Um, that's not true when I'm working on a big project, but right now that's definitely true. Do you, um, listen to music or, or do you prefer silence while you're writing? No. I hate, I hate listening to anything while I'm writing. I really, really need silence. Um, if anybody is home and breathing in my house, I ask them to stop because I find it really distracting. Um, right now, as I'm talking to you, the guys just came up to mow the lawn and I'm a little bit annoyed because after we hang up, I was planning on writing. So, <laughs> so I don't know how this is going to work. I might have to um, shoo them away. But yeah, I really, I like total silence. 
And do you find that you're putting in a certain number of hours, um, excluding that kind of warm up stuff? Are, are you disciplined in other words? Yes, I, w- I do think I'm disciplined. Um, I mean, I have a, a strong work ethic. I have a feeling that I don't, I will never disappoint anybody who is relying on me for something, whether that's a presentation or an article or a book, any, any of those things. Um, so I, I'd say that, um, you know, if I'm not working on something, it's probably an hour or two a day that I spend writing either, you know, things for work or just for me personally. Um, if I'm working on a project, it's much, it's much lengthier than that. And I tend to work, you know, through an entire weekend, for example, I will easily spend, you know, probably 20 hours, um, in a weekend just writing. And then during the week, um, anywhere between five and six, I get up early and then I'll do my job and then I'll, I'll write, uh, after my job. So, um, so it's a much more, oh, I don't know, aggressive schedule, I guess, which is in part why it's a, I don't relish jumping back into it <laughs> too soon. So in your book, you do talk about, um, kind of the writer as athlete metaphor and, and mm-hmm. kind of working those muscles and, and, um, staying limber. Um, do, do you write every day? Yes, I absolutely write every day. And do you believe in writer's block? I don't actually. And I talked about this and everybody writes, um, I quote a journalist and I'm totally blanking on his name right now. I should have looked that up, but I quote a journalist who says, you know, my father never got truck driver's block or my father never got plumber's block. Um, and I, and no one ever gets speaking block, for example. And I do, I do think that writing is the same way. I think that writing is nothing more than, than a way of communicating. So I do believe in procrastination, as I just said, but I don't believe that, you know, that writer's block is a real thing. Um, that said, I mean, there are times when I'll sit down to write and I'll think, I don't know what to say. Usually that's more of a thinking and a research problem than it is an actual writing problem. Um, so that's typically a sign to me that I need to just do some more thinking about something or, um, or do some more research before I, I think about what my own particular take on something is going to be. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Yeah. I am hearing, I think maybe lawnmowers. Or- <laughs> <laughs> it's the, that was is it the, the leaf guys? blower. Yeah, okay. it's the guys. It's the leaf blower out there. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Earlier in the show, I mentioned an invaluable resource for writers. Truth is the arrow. Mercy is the bow. A DIY manual for the construction of stories based on three decades of writing, failing, and trying again. Author Steve Almond is a beloved professor at Harvard and Wesleyan and the acclaimed New York Times bestseller of 12 books of fiction and nonfiction. And in Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, Steve employs the radical empathy he displayed as a co-host of the Dear Sugars podcast with Cheryl Strayed, where they explored the joys and trials of storytelling to explode myths that hold us back from writing our deepest and truest work. The book includes chapters on plot, character, and chronology, but travels far beyond the earnest intentions of most craft books. It also includes writing prompts to generate new work. Pulitzer Prize-winning author Richard Russo called it one of the best books on writing he's ever read, and also the funniest. Pick up a copy of Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories wherever you buy books, and add it to your TBR today. And just a quick aside to revisit the exclusive Writer Files Patreon community where subscribers get access to uncut ad-free interviews, a writer's happy hour, bonus breakdowns, and a lot more. I know that for serious writers, it can be more distracting than ever to cut through the noise, stay productive, and home in on what's happening in the publishing industry. Over eight years, we've provided a looking glass into the habits of professional writers and publishing industry insiders, 
And as your humble host, I've decided to launch a membership-based Patreon for serious scribes to cut through the noise, swap tips and tricks, and hang out with like-minded peers. Just head over to patreon.com slash the writer files for bonus writing resources, monthly episode breakdowns, writer's happy hour, a community of your peers, ad-free episodes, and more. It's free to join to get a preview and you can upgrade anytime. That's patreon.com slash the writer files. Help us start something cool and special. Keep calm and write on. Um, why don't we get into talking a little bit about your workflow? Um, what hardware or typewriter model are you presently using? Mm, does anybody actually use a typewriter model to I write? I have no idea. Wow, that's interesting. Huh. Um, I use a MacBook Pro. I'm waiting for them to bring back the 17-inch. Uh, so far, it's been a pretty long wait because <laughs> this 17-inch MacBook Pro that I have is just, it's my life. Um, and they this seems like, you know, Apple is going smaller and smaller, and I don't think they're going to bring it back. So yeah. I, I'm a little distraught over it, honestly. <laughs> and um, do you have... Um, a special software or do, or do you have a set of software that you use most for writing and kind of your general workflow? No, I mean, I use word. Um, and when I'm writing a big project, like a book, I'm a huge fan of Scrivener for that, just because it's such a great tool to help you organize your, your writing, uh, more than anything else. Um, but otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm pretty simple in my taste. I just, you know, a simple, a simple word doc is, is really fine for me. So how do you stay organized? Do you, are you using, uh, Evernote, for instance, or or are you kind of like a um, traditional kind of note card and sticky note? Yeah, I will. I will tell you, this is my weak spot. Um, I am terrible at Evernote. I've tried it. I don't know six or seven times now, and I every time I I feel like I'm gonna just make a commitment to it. I'm gonna make it work, and I, I just I don't know. I just can't. I just don't connect with it. It's like we're just. I'm like allergic to it or something. It just, um, I don't know. It's just not for me. So I'm very old school in the way that I, I keep myself organized, you know, in terms of my edit my internal editorial calendar. Um, I keep a written list in a, a simple, uh, notebook, Moleskine notebook. Um, I am trying to use Trello consistently as a way to sort of, you know, keep an editorial calendar for myself and keep my projects, um, you know, kind of aligned and, and just a visual of what it is that I, my month looks like, for example. Um, but as I said, this is completely my weak spot. So I'm sort of, um, casting in the dark a little bit with this one. <laughs> I definitely lean pretty heavily on Trello. So I'll drop that into the show notes. Oh, as well. do you? Okay. Yeah, it's cool. a good one. I know we talked about procrastination before. Do you have, um, some best practices for kind of beating procrastination when it, when it comes down to the wire? Mm, I mean, you know, honestly, I lean into it. I lean into procrastination pretty hard. Um, and then ultimately, it's always my my work ethic that saves me. Um, I think the most important thing is is to just show up, you know, to 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 ship when you say you're going to ship to um, to show up when you say you're going to and, and not to disappoint people, because that's when you start to, you know, people start to lose faith in you after a while if you do that consistently. Um, so I I never miss a deadline, but I will say that I do go right down to the wire. And the only thing that really ultimately saves me um, is just that, you know, I have to just get my ass in gear and and make sure it happens. So at the end of a, a long day of writing and, and um, overcoming <laughs> procrastination, <laughs> how do you unplug? Wow feels weird to think of my days as hard days. You know, it's like my, my life is relatively soft, really, when I think about it. Um, 
you know, I think about like my grandparents, for example, they had hard days, you know, my grandfather worked all day in an asbestos mill and then came home and, uh, you know, took off his clothes and, and breathed in all, all that horrible stuff. So that's a hard day to me. Um, I feel like that, you know, my, my days are relatively soft by comparison. So, um, but you know, really what I do is probably the same as a lot of people. I, I end the day by taking my dog for a walk. Typically, um, I walk her in the fields and it just brings me such joy to watch her run through the fields that it sort of, you know, melts any of that stress away. Um, then I make a nice dinner for my family. We eat together. And then usually I'm obsessed with something on net on Netflix. So, um, so that caps my day pretty boring. I know, but you know, <laughs> that's, that's when I'm home and I do travel quite a bit. So I really do treasure those moments when I'm around. Just a quick pause to mention that The Writer Files is brought to you by the Rainmaker platform, the complete website solution for content marketers and online entrepreneurs. Find out more and take a free 14-day test drive at rainmaker.fm slash platform. Let's talk about uh, your creativity. Mm. And can you define creativity in your own words? You know, I think creativity is really about finding a way to share your own ideas with the world. Um, or maybe maybe not share, but maybe finding a way to shape the ideas that you share with the world. Um, I think that's important. And I think it it can take place in whatever, you know, whatever your art is. You know, for some of us it's it's writing. For others it's it's a different kind of art. Um, but I think that's really what it is. I think it's about really shaping your ideas and and sharing them with the world. Do you feel like you have a creative muse at the moment? Hmm. Um, you know, what inspires me is reading really good writing. Um, you asked me earlier about, you know, how I end my day. And, and one thing that I was just thinking is that after Netflix, after, you know, all of that stuff, I always end the day by reading a really good piece of writing. And typically that's fiction or it may be some like creative nonfiction from you know, like the New Yorker or something like that. Um, I'm always really inspired by reading incredibly good writing. Um, sometimes I, it makes me like anxious, you know, in the sense that, God, I wish I wrote that. Um, but it really is inspiring to me to read people who really can take you on a journey with their words. Um, so I don't think I have a specific muse as much as, uh, you know, many, many muses um, who ex who sort of speak to me in different ways. When do you feel the most creative? I think when something really strikes a nerve in me, um, you know, I, there, there's almost a sense of, I can't not say something, you know? And so when something really is kindled inside of me, I almost feel like it ignites and I have to figure out a way to get it out. Otherwise it literally will consume me, you know? So that's where the, my best ideas come from. Um, you know, we were talking earlier about everybody writes and that book really did come out of this feeling that, I can't not write it, you know, <laughs> it's like, I, I didn't know what else to do because it was just something that I felt like had to be said. And, and, and I sort of let it, let it, um, you know, kindle for a long time inside of me before I was like, all right, I, I just need to do this. Um, and I think that's actually the only reason to write a book is because you can't not write it. But I also think that's, that's almost the only reason not to do any kind of writing. You know, it's a, when you can't not say something, that's when you should say it. Okay. Um, as I stumble over my words, <laughs> what makes a writer great in your opinion? I think a realization that you will, you are never really 
the best writer you can be. You know, that's something that you're always evolving into. Um, you know, I almost feel a little sheepish sometimes when I think of myself as a writer or when somebody calls me a writer because it feels like I'll I'm still working on that. You know, it's like when someone says to me, "You're you're you're a great speaker." It's like really because I feel like I'm just I'm just evolving that. You know, and I think that's that's what actually makes writing and and speaking and communicating so interesting to me because, you know, I don't feel like I'm ever going to be a master at any of that. You know, and I think that's true of the best writers. You look at Hemingway's early stuff, and then you look at his later stuff, and it's very different. Um, and the same as you know, for any great artist, uh, you know, in whatever the the their media or medium is. So, um, so I think it's really this willingness to evolve is really what what makes a great writer makes a good writer great evolution yeah who uh oh do you have a few uh favorite authors at the moment yeah i mean i have some some writers who i've read every single thing that they've written and i'm you know i'm scared that something will happen to them and they'll they won't they won't um, produce any more work. So <laughs> that writer for me is David Sedaris, um, you know, which is funny because, I mean, everybody knows David as, as a humorous writer, but he's also a really great writer. He's incredibly soulful. Um, I think he's very talented and, and he's almost sold short sometimes, I think, as a humorist. It almost feels like it diminishes his work. Um, but I think his work is, is really, really subtle and really wonderful. Um, so he's he's probably my all-time favorite author. Um, I also am a huge fan of E.B. White, not just for, you know, because of the elements of style, but also um, I've written, I've read everything he's ever written, you know, from, um, from his, from his uh, children's books, uh, like, you know, Charlotte's Web and Trumpet of the Swan and all that kind of stuff, all the way up to, I mean, I've read his letters, you know, so I've, he's been, he's somebody that I really feel, um, I really love, I, I feel very connected to, and I think he's an amazing writer, or was an amazing writer. Um, Joan Didion is another favorite of mine. Um, in the business world, I read almost everything that Seth Godin writes because I think he's a really brilliant and interesting mind. Um, right now I'm reading a book of short stories by Amy Bloom. And, uh, and I think she's, you know, I really love the way that she tells a story as well. So, you know, like I said, it's almost anybody... It's almost like, you know, whatever my, my, whatever book I'm reading now is my favorite book because mm. it's like, if I, if I don't love the book that I'm reading, then I don't, I don't keep reading it. So, mm. um, so right now I would say it's Amy Bloom, but that's, you know, she, I wouldn't say she's necessarily the one for the long term. You know, that belongs to, my heart belongs to David and to Joan and to Evie. So, <laughs> but Amy right now, she's a fantastic writer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And um, I know that uh, everybody writes is just chock full of 
what I call um, writer porn. And it's got, <laughs> I mean, it's got so many great quotes in there. Um, but can you share a best love quote for the podcast? Oh, uh, yeah, I have two. Um, one is actually, I'm not sure it's actually in if it's, if it's in Everybody Writes or not, I'll have to think about that. I'll have to go back and look at it. Um, but it's right with the door closed, edit with the door open. It's a quote by um, by Stephen King. And what I love about that quote is is that what's inherent in there is that, you know, you write for yourself, you just sort of barf it up and you get it all out and then you write with your audience in mind. You know, you almost swap places with your reader at that moment. Um, and that's a thing that I think if you, if any writer keeps that in the back of their mind, you know, and, I, and by writer, I mean anybody who writes, right? If anybody keeps that in the back of their mind, I think it, I think it ultimately makes your writing so much better because you really are putting your, the audience first, which makes you respect the audience. It makes you think of, you know, I know what I'm saying. Am I communicating it clearly? And I think that is ultimately, especially in a business world, that's the the biggest key to really effective writing. Uh, my second one is in a completely different realm um, by Eleanor Roosevelt and something that I live all the time. And she says, do one thing every day that scares you. I do something maybe not every day, but pretty, pretty often. <laughs> and I do almost many things that scare me all the time. Um, and so that's, uh, I, I think of that a lot. You know, my first impulse when anybody asks me to do anything is typically to say no, you know, like for ex maybe not this podcast. I was actually okay with this, but, huh. um, you know, travel to an event because I hate to fly. Um, you know, do anything that puts you slightly outside of your comfort zone. My feeling is always to say no first. And what, if I can just sit with that and then remember that Eleanor Roosevelt quote, um, I more times than not will ultimately opt in to do it. Let's do a few fun ones just um, just for kicks. Who uh, is your favorite literary character? So a lot of my favorite literary characters are are from my childhood, essentially. Um, you know, they're people that I feel like I grew up with in a way. Um, so way back when, my first, probably my first favorite literary character was Laura Ingalls Wilder. Um, when I was a little girl, I just read all of those books. You know, there was some some telltale signs there that I was going to be that kind of obsessive compulsive reader. Um, and so I read all of her things. Um, and she isn't quite a literary character because she's a real person, but there's sort of this literary character-esqueness to especially her younger books. Um, Encyclopedia Brown was another one. Do you know the Encyclopedia Brown books at all? Of course. Yeah. So, I mean, I just, I always wanted to be him. I always wanted to be <laughs> this like, super clever kid who kind of functioned outside of normal childhood, you know, you know, who just did these amazing things. He almost had a superpower. Right. Um, almost any character invented by Roald Dahl, another, another one of my favorite authors. So like Willy Wonka and Matilda, any of his characters I think are, are really brilliant and really different. And do you have a writer's fetish? I know it's kind of an, a, a, an interesting question because fetish has a couple different meanings. <laughs> one of my fetishes is vintage typewriters, as I mentioned in an earlier episode, but I think I also have others that are weirder and more esoteric that I kind of keep around my office, but I won't mm. mention what they are mm. <laughs> for fear that I'll be ostracized. <laughs> Ooh, they're real fetishes then, huh? Yes. Um, you know, I have a I have a couple of vintage typewriters. I I have three, and they're right they're right behind me in my tiny house right now. Um, you know, I think my biggest fetish, if you can even call it that, are paper books. You know, I feel like 
I feel sad that that ebooks are taking over paper books. I love the heft, the feel, the smell, the experience of paper books. Um, I can count on one hand, literally, the number of times I've read an ebook, and half the time after I've read an ebook, if I like it, I'll go out and buy the paper version of it because I need it. It's like I need to have it on my shelf. They like become my friends, which I know sounds incredibly weird. But since we're talking about fetishes, what the hell? Who or what has been your greatest teacher? Um, my parents, for sure. Uh, they gave me all the freedom to be whoever I wanted to be. Um, and they also gave me a, a really fantastic work ethic that I mentioned before that that just that came from them. Um, and, you know, my, my second greatest teacher, I think, has been the many, many, many mistakes that I've made. Um, I get this question a lot, like, you know, which mistake do you, do you regret the most? And the answer is zero. I regret no mistakes, only because, you know, I've often learned a lot from any big mistakes that I made. You know, sometimes it's saying no to opportunities for, you know, as I mentioned previously, that used to be my default answer. Um, so saying no to opportunities. Sometimes it was just being young and stupid about something. Um, you know, I mean, the, the mistakes that we've all made, but they've taught me so much ultimately. Um, and my, my, my big effort in my life is, is to let my children make those mistakes too. You know, my children are now teenagers and, um, my son is, is a young adult in his twenties. And so it's like, I want them to make those mistakes too. It's so hard as a parent not to control it, but, um, you know, to, to warn them away. But at the same time, I think they need to make their own mistakes because, you know, it is your greatest teacher. I think mistakes are your greatest teacher. On that note, can you offer advice to fellow writers on how to keep the ink flowing and the cursor moving? Patience. I think patience is the biggest thing. It's it, it can feel like you just want things to happen fast. I think it takes a while to find your voice. At least it did for me. Uh, you, you, know, you or your listeners may be a, a faster learner than I ever was. Um, but I think it takes a while to, to really hone your voice. And I don't think you'll ever stop. So I think just giving yourself permission to take longer than you think it's going to. Um, and enjoy the process. You know, I think it's it's easy to say that because while you're in it, sometimes it can feel really horrible. But um, but I think it's it's wonderful when you when you when I go back and read something I wrote five or six years ago, and I can see the difference. Like I wouldn't say things in quite that same way. It really does make me appreciate where I'm at now and and my evolution as a writer. So I think um, you know, giving yourself uh, permission to be a patient person. And thank you so much for your patience and uh, <laughs> wisdom and, and honesty. So where can fellow scribes connect with you out there? You can find me at anhamley.com. Um, it's a site where I write most often about content and marketing, but I also write about my life. Um, or in person, I will be at Coffee Bloggers Authority Intensive 2015, which I'm super excited about. It's one of my top events of the year. Um, and uh, so if you're going to be there, I'd love to to meet you there as well. And I will also be there. And I really look forward to hearing you speak. Um, I don't know if I can say the name of your presentation <laughs> now, um, but I know that Anne is going to be um, dropping some some wisdom for us and it'll be outstanding regardless of what what the name of it is. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you. In the words of Ms. Handley herself. Think before you ink. You can see Anne Handley live at Authority Rainmaker 
a carefully designed live educational experience that presents a complete and effective online marketing strategy to help you immediately accelerate your business. Anne will be speaking about creating content that makes a difference for your business objectives by showing us how to create content that is empathetic, useful, and inspired. In addition to Anne, you'll have the opportunity to see Dan Pink, Sally Hogshead, punk legend Henry Rollins, and many other incredible speakers live. Get all the details at rainmaker.fm event. For more episodes of The Writer Files and all the show notes, or to leave us a comment or a question, drop by writerfiles.fm. And please subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave us a rating or a review and help other writers to find us. You can find me on Twitter at Kelton Reed. Cheers. See you out there. Thank you.